Frank Gaffney is perhaps America's foremost national security expert and analyst. He's the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy. And in 1988, he began that after serving in the Reagan Pentagon as an acting assistant secretary of defense for international security policy. Frank is the host of Securing America TV on Real America's Voice, and he can be seen at securingamerica.tv. Most recently, Frank headed a Team B effort to take an alternative look at one of the most important issues of our time. It has to do with China. It has to do with our economy. Welcome, Frank, back to the Economic War Room. It's always great to be with you, Kevin. Thank you very much, and, and thanks for your participation in this important project of ours, Team B3. Well, Frank, describe what a Team B is. Please explain the process and, and, and how it came about. It's a term that was first applied to an effort by skeptics of the policy that was known at the time as detente with the Soviet Union back in the mid-1970s, uh, 1976 to be precise. And it came about because there were senior government officials who were very concerned that this idea that we could peacefully coexist with the Soviets um, if we were simply going to stop regarding them as a hostile threat and enable them to uh, become stronger, richer, um, and uh, frankly, more dangerous um, through this policy known, as I say, as a detente or what is now, I guess, called engagement. And this Team B came together it was given access to all of the classified information that the Central Intelligence Agency had at the time um, about the Soviet Union and its order of battle, the threat that it posed to us and its ambitions. And they came up with a second opinion. Uh, they called it a, an exercise in competitive analysis. And they simply concluded that the idea of making your mortal enemy at the time, more formidable, uh, both by lowering your guard and by transferring technology and credits and in other ways, uh, building them up uh, was actually insane. <laughs> it was going to be very dangerous. And uh, they came forward with a, a, a conclusion that we should abandon this policy of detente. Uh, and in short order, um, a guy by the name of Ronald Reagan embraced their findings uh, and uh, commissioned a strategy for replacing this idea of engagement or detente with one of, uh, well, uh, as he famously called it, we win, they lose, uh, rolling them back uh, and ultimately destroying the Soviet Union. Yeah, no question. So Team B was right. <laughs> team A was wrong. Team B was right. We won, they lost. So in Indeed. the current Team B, it's Team B3, uh, in the current Team B, who's involved in that? 
Well, I might just say a word about Team B2 so we don't skip it altogether. Okay. Um, back in uh, 2010, the Center for Security Policy, which, as you mentioned, I have the privilege of leading, uh, put together a similar kind of exercise in competitive analysis in which we brought together, uh, as had been done with the original Team B, a group of uh, experts and the various subject matters that were relevant to the question of the day, which was, has team A gotten it wrong, uh, in that case, about um, Sharia, the ideological underpinnings, if you will, of, of the Islamic threat uh, that we have faced, um, certainly uh, in the in the period uh, since 9/11 and arguably before. Um, what we came up with was uh, the conclusion that indeed we were very badly um, approaching that threat, and we needed a course correction. The current Team B. Team and by B, the way, I, I want to say I agree entirely with Team B too. Uh, and and the the conclusions again the B team <laughs> outpace the A team the conclusions are on target. Yeah, indeed. And and at the end of the day, unfortunately, we've not had the kind of decisive uh, vindication uh, that Team B one had um, when you know Ronald Reagan successfully dispatched. Uh, the threat of the Soviet Union. The uh, Sharia supremacist threat, as I call it, uh, is still very much it with us. It continues, yeah. Yep. Does. But Team B3, um, we put together uh, about five or six months ago to take a look at the analysis that Team A, uh, the Director of National Intelligence specifically, had performed on the question of what was the provenance of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, as it's formally known. Uh, COVID-19 is the pandemic that it precipitated. Um, and the Director of National Intelligence, Kevin, as you know, uh, held forth uh, back in uh, uh, the fall of 2021 that uh, she just couldn't really decide um, where this virus came from. Um, could it have come from nature? Uh, could it have come from some sort of laboratory or other facility in communist China? Just couldn't tell. And our team uh, said, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not right. This does lend itself uh, to an answer, and we set about trying to ensure that we provided it. And um, I'm very pleased to say we've just been uh, unveiling the results of those efforts. Yeah, no, and they're tremendous efforts, and you're exactly right. Uh, you know, the, the Team A came up inconclusive, which, by the way, surprised me. I thought that was an advance over the original idea that, oh, this absolutely came from nature. There's no way it could have been man-made. So there, there was an advance by having it be, you know, we're not exactly sure. But the work that Team B has produced is phenomenal. And it raises the question, is China at war with us? We're going to have to take a break. But I think that's the question we should start with when we come back. So Frank Gaffney, you helped create and lead a Team B effort regarding the CCP virus. Now, why do we call it the CCP virus? 
It's been called that, I think, because the provenance of the virus that uh, cost us, well, some six million people so far, including a million Americans, uh, is very clearly uh, from the Chinese Communist Party or CCP. Um, the study that we've done has sought to understand exactly how that virus um, was unleashed on the world uh, by the Chinese Communist Party. And there's some disagreement in part because we don't know um, all of the details of what the Chinese were up to and uh, they're withholding information that is really vital to making a definitive judgment. But what I think we've established beyond any dispute, Kevin, is that the virus, once it was out of the laboratory from which it seems to have emerged um, as a result of, among other things, gain-of-function research financed unbelievably by the American taxpayer, the Chinese Communist Party was directly responsible for ensuring that it was spread worldwide. So they may not have, they may or may not have released it. Uh, they likely created it. They may or may not have released it, but they absolutely weaponized it once it was out. Is that correct? Well, I'd, I'd qualify perhaps the first point. I think there's very little doubt that they created okay. this virus. I think our conclusion is they did in this laboratory, uh, they had help from um, the U.S. National Institute of Health, uh, Dr. Tony Fauci's operation and, and some contractors who worked for him. Um, the question that remains is, did they intentionally bring it out of the laboratory as a biological warfare attack. And that's the part that I think we're still um, not able to make a definitive judgment about. But to your larger point, did they make as a very deliberate um, matter of state policy an effort to spread it once it had been released from the laboratory? And the answer to that, I think, is indisputably yes. Unequivocal. And the disa disaster that it has created worldwide is on them as a result, hence yeah. the CP virus. Well, you're not just spouting this. This isn't something you read in the New York Times. You actually assembled a quality team of incredible professional experts. Can you tell us a little bit about the people in Team B? Sure. Uh, it's led by uh, two eminent national security practitioners, uh, former Congressman Pete Hoekstra, who was the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee during his time in the House. I uh, went on to become a U U.S. ambassador to the Netherlands. Um, his co-chairman is Lieutenant General William Jerry Boykin, a uh, man I'm sure very well known to uh, this audience, a uh, great friend of ours, uh, former Deputy Undersecretary of Intelligence, 
in the George W. Bush administration. But uh, that was a role that uh, capped a number of other positions in the intelligence business, as well as an unbelievably impressive record of service as uh, arguably our nation's most uh, decorated special operator. There were about six or seven others who participated in it, in addition to your good self and, and uh, me. Um, we had uh, Charles Sam Faddis, uh, former undercover operative in the Central Intelligence Agency, former Colonel um, John Mills, United States Army, retired uh, Jeff Nyquist, uh, one of our most brilliant uh, strategic thinkers, uh, Brian Kennedy, the chairman of the uh, Committee on the Present Danger China, Dr. Stephen Hatfield, um, particularly importantly, uh, one of the country's preeminent experts, arguably one of the world's preeminent experts, on the whole phenomenon of biological warfare. He's studied it closely. He's built defenses against it over the years. Um, and he was really the lead uh, effort, uh, the, the, the lead expert, I should say, on the science of uh, what we've been confronting here. And uh, I think was instrumental in helping us come up with the right answers uh, for Team B3. Yeah, well, it's fantastic. I've read the, the uh, preprint copy. I know it's going to be out now. Uh, uh, but here are the nine major observations. I'll just put them in my words and walk through. Uh, the virus has unusual genetic features, meaning it doesn't look natural. It has a unique long acid motif that looks like a known biowarfare toxin. There's no natural source that has been discovered in all the time we're looking for it. Uh, the CCP does have an active biowarfare program. There was, as you mentioned earlier, gain-of-function experimentation taking place in Wuhan. On New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2019, right before the virus hit, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, said that this virus was poorly transmitted and not a pandemic risk. But while they were saying that, they locked down major cities and prohibited intercity travel inside China, while at the same time they allowed unrestrained travel from Wuhan to all sorts of international destinations. And they stopped a lab link investigation very early on. They said no, and they, and they cut off anybody that was trying to look that direction. And then the final question that came up, number nine, how were multiple strains out in December 2019, even though they were different from the strains that they found in the so-called wet market? So that was a pretty damning evidence that there's something unusual going on. So Frank, right before the break, we've just got 30 seconds. What else did we learn from Team B that we, we should share? Well, I think you've captured the key pieces of it, Kevin. And again, the part that I want to just emphasize is it didn't just get out and afflict the world. It was deliberately pushed out by the Chinese Communist Party, um, presumably to assure that the rest of the world was uh, ravaged by it at least as much as the Chinese were themselves. Yeah, well, we're going to need to take another break. But when we come back, I want to not only read something from a famous Chinese general, head defense minister, but I also want to talk about what we as Americans ought to do in response to the findings of Team B. 
The following is the actual text of a speech delivered in December 2005 by Comrade Chi, the vice chairman of China's military commission to top officers and generals. This guy was the head of the defense ministry, I think, up until as late as 2003. I'm just going to read a few quotes. He said, comrades, I'm excited today because the large-scale online survey showed us our next generation is quite promising and our party, party's cause will be carried on. In answering the question, will you shoot at women, children, and prisoners of war, more than 80% of the respondents answered in the affirmative, exceeding our projections. Now, think about this. The head of the defense ministry in China is talking about how they would be willing, 80% of those in their military would be willing to shoot at women, children, and prisoners of war. I'll read on. Ostensibly, our intention is mainly to figure out what the Chinese people's attitude towards war is. You can see where this is going. He goes on and says, in reading history, one may ask, will the center of world civilization shift back to China? This whole speech is about how China can be the dominant player across the world. And he says, our Chinese people, he doesn't want to be compared to Nazi Germany because he says our Chinese people are wiser than the Germans because fundamentally our race is superior to theirs. He's more of a racist than Adolf Hitler was. Uh, we're destined not to be buried by either heaven or earth, and he's celebrating atheism. The first pressing issue facing us is living space. Our resources are in short supply. The environment, he basically says, is terrible. And he says, and yet China should be entitled to the possession of all the land, including the United States, because they feel like they discovered it first and that they should be colonizing it because they built the western half of the United States. So how would he achieve that? There's been rapid development of modern biological technology and new bioweapons have been invented one after another. Of course, we've not been idle. In the past years, we have seized the opportunity to master weapons of this kind. He goes on and says, biological weapons are unprecedented in their ruthlessness. But if the Americans do not die, the Chinese have to die. In other words, it's existential. We have to kill Americans. Then he goes on and says this quote, it is indeed brutal to kill one or 200 million Americans but that is the only path that will secure a Chinese century, a century in which the CCP leads the world. He's directly talking about unleashing a bioweapon on the United States. And we're talking with Frank Gaffney, who led Team B3, that looked at whether or not China unleashed this coronavirus on the world that resulted in six million dead and more than a million Americans. Uh, Frank, what do you think when you hear those words? Well, the first thing, Kevin, I think I'm struck by is uh, that was a speech, as you indicated, that dates from about 20 years ago. So this isn't, you know, new news. This is something that the Chinese have been beavering away at for years. And in the speech, in addition to the remarks you've mentioned, um, this fellow, Chi Chen, the defense minister, talks about how Deng Xiaoping, who uh, back in the early 1990s was the general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party, very explicitly tasked the Chinese biological warfare program, which is, by the way, illegal. There are parties to the, uh, the convention that prohibits biological warfare. Um, <clears throat> yet, uh, Deng Xiaoping set the sites of this 
you know, program on depopulating the United States so that it could be colonized by the Chinese. And this is essentially what Xi, uh, General Xi is, is describing, is the pursuit of that objective and what we have seen, I think, particularly with this biological warfare attack, which is what our Team B3 describes this as, is in fact the, at a minimum, a proof of concept of how a biological warfare laydown on the United States could achieve the kinds of destruction that uh, the Chinese have in mind for us. Uh, again, they um, did not unleash this virus um, in a form that is as virulent as they're capable of. Uh, but the trouble is that they've shown just how much damage can be done even with a relatively um, harmless uh, disease, let alone some that they could have uh, up their sleeve and I fear do. Yeah, relatively harmless, still very damaging, very harmful. I mean, just for comparison, imagine, because 2003, when this guy was defense minister, you know, we, we had Don Rumsfeld. Just imagine if Don Rumsfeld had gone out and, and spoken to our military at West Point, a gathering of all the top military leaders, and said, we want to depopulate China and colonize it. I mean, that's the impact of this. And, and I'll tell you, these recent comments, June 11, 2022, here from The Blaze, here's a headline, smash to smithereens, China threatens U.S. with war no matter the cost over Taiwan. And we've had this recent leak of information that says we're basically already planning for war, already in a people's war and planning for war. We should not take this lightly, should we? No, we should not. And, and listen, Kevin, uh, you have done unbelievably important work with Economic War Room uh, and your books uh, about what the Chinese have called unrestricted warfare. Uh, alas, I think still too many Americans are unaware that that program of warfare against us using economic techniques and political instrumentalities and information operations and subversion and technology theft and on and on, that again, you have uh, enumerated as a part of the doctrine of the Chinese Communist Party going back to 1999 when two of their senior colonels um, wrote up this book, Unrestricted Warfare. But what we've seen with the biological weapons attack of 2019, and uh, well, right up to the present moment, is, I'm afraid, proof positive of the idea that the Chinese are at war with us, uh, are intent on achieving the ultimate victory over us and being able thereby to dominate the entire world, their stated purpose. Yeah, well, for Frank, you've done a marvelous job with the Team B3 report. We're going to put a link to it in the economic battle plan. I'm going to run through the conclusions real fast. These are recommendations. One is educate the American people, which you're doing. Two, acknowledge our failures, outline them, create accountability. Three, reestablish effective pandemic response. 
plans following the fact that we transferred gain-of-function tech to China, for stop doing coordinated research with known CCP entities, stop funding the CCP, don't surrender to capitalist global organizations such as the World Health Organization, and I, I, we're running out of time, so I need to have you back to talk about the WHO. And number seven, never again let a public health emergency be used to deny our constitutional freedoms. Thank you for all you're doing, Frank. This is an important message it needs to get out. Now, where can people get a copy of this report? We'll put that in the economic battle plan. Keep in mind, you can't do this alone. That's why the Economic War Room is here for you. Get your free economic battle plan at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.